said LeBron play, has played 206 playoff games, the most in NBA history. Right. Like, never, never lost in the first round. I mean, that is absolutely goldish. It's goldish. Just bye bye. Oh man, I uh, this flight. I just, I just, uh, I just uh, blew that light out. (laughs) On the uh, on the for the mirror on the driver's side. Like you had it on so long. Yeah, like as a as a production light. Gotta write that off. Is it is it too light? Is it too loud in the? He said I gotta write that off. That's hilarious. Is it too loud in the garage? I'm um, we're at the Airbnb, so they got a little like a carport that like you can get to the carport from the little laundry room area. So I came out here, and it's right by. The only thing separating the router from this is the wall. So it's like living room wall carport but mm. so i'm so i'm using the wi-fi and i'm fine to be in here and this is the quietest i can be and okay. the, to be the loudest i can be oh it's like that hot things get cold cold things get hot thing mm. and so uh, such an interesting conundrum conundrums uh i've been recording um yeah as soon as i logged in it said your screen is or this meeting is being recorded what do you think about chris paul i often get him confused with Kyrie irving and stop how um I don't know how. Uh, I think they're. I don't know how. I think I've seen them really break a lot of ankles. Um, but like, is... like Chris Paul, Chris Paul was the uh, uh, co-sign of what was that? So far gone. Like a, a, a rookie of the year, 06 Chris Paul, shit. Yeah, like, no, I, I, that's I like, remember his exploit. I'm saying, and Kyrie came way further down the line. and Way further down the line? Like, what's way? Uh, I mean. Like, NBA way is probably, like, another six years. So, he didn't, Kyrie didn't come on the scene till 2012? Keep talking while I Google it, please. I mean, I think that he he does give me veteran vibes. But he gives me bust vibes like Kyrie gives me. Like, I know Kyrie's bust vibes come from his, like, he's hanging out with rappers and stuff like that. Like, Kyrie probably is the type of brother that has the deepest conversation. Okay, okay, okay. Here, here we go, here we go. Chris Paul's 36, Kyrie's 29. 29. God, that is a big bug. Listen, I was um, over here thinking he's about to say big gap, and like no, you, you said, oh, 
Because you saying Chris Ball is 29. No, I said Kyrie Irving is 29. And Chris Paul is. No, when did Chris Paul come in to the league is the question. Oh, I mean. Or no, no, okay. no, no, no. Kyrie Irving. When did Kyrie Irving come into the league? Kyrie Irving draft. I really don't know this off the top of my head. Um, 2011. So, yeah, that does count as far off. Or it does count count as way, way. Okay. So, that's why, to get them, to get them confused was, that's why it uh, gave me some pause. But, uh, I just meant, um... I don't know. I don't know how I feel about him as a as a part as a whole thing, as a whole entity, as a uh, uh, celebrity. If we are judging him as such, because the State Farm commercials are yep. one thing, the uh, MVP award is a big thing. Um, did he win MVP? I think he just won Work of the Year. I don't know. Uh, it's so funny. Like you mentioned his State Farm thing, and I'm. I really like that for him. You know, I'm all for uh, athletes Cliff trying Paul. to merge. Yeah, Cliff Paul. That's, I mean, that's hilarious. He needs to do his own series, really. But Stephon. Um, but I don't think he. Um, I don't think he, he can't can carry a 30 second State Farm commercial. He's not carrying a series. Come no, on now. That's that's the best Stop. part. Of, that's that's the best part of it for real, Brandon. It's like. I, I was watching the State Farm commercial and I was imagining him talking to his kids about like how to do a scene and like what kind of emotional effect to put towards the text in the script. And it just sounded like a like the worst oh, acting good. advice. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, because you think about that because every time you see Chris Paul talk, it sounds it looks like he's making the mannerisms as if he's talking to children. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Always. Always. That's why it was so great that uh, Carlton was the fake him for that new go around. That Those yes. made those commercials a little bit more tolerable for me. But when it was him and James Harden with the Rockets, I was like, if you don't get this stuff off my screen, they just bring in James Harden as a prop to try to make yeah. Chris Paul interesting. Get, the, yeah. get out of here. Yeah. People don't have to be interesting. No. Like, people don't have to. Like, I don't need my stars to be interesting. Like, I, you know, he's, I mean, he's, I, a, he's, he's the in the less... top. He's, he's, a, he's one of, the, he's one of the, uh, it was, I think he's one of the three finalists, if not top five for the MVP this year. Who? And, yeah, bro. He got traded for nothing to the Suns and willed them into, the uh, the two seed in the Western Conference. Yeah, no. Devin I Booker mean, was already good. DeAndre Ayton had got his rookie rookie of the year dust off. But no, he's the he's a uh, he's a uh, Chris Paul is a true veteran, a true captain, a true leader. I feel like whatever team you know, whatever team he's on is 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 now playoff worthy. You know what I'm oh saying? Oh my gosh. Anthony Davis looks so scary shooting free throws. 
uh, I just saw him hit that three pointer, and that was just saucy. Yeah, I really, no, enjoy, he does that well. I really enjoy basketball now that I um, play so much. I have a goal to be better than like all my peers that were better than me in like college. Like in our old age, like with their bad knees and everything else, like I'm gonna, I, I score and be like, that's for 07. That's for Duck, Western Kentucky. You 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 uh hit me with the oh fake. Oh, God. You realize uh podcasts, you, you question your competitiveness. Uh it's not competitive, Brandon. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a vindication. Like, like I feel like competitive. Uh, here's me. Def- oh, defending. it's not competitive. It's just revenge. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, revenge is never competitive. Revenge is I already know what's about mm-hmm. to happen. <laughs> like we're not, we're not competing. Thank you for schooling me on on revenge in that way. I didn't, I did not know. Yeah, because because you gotta think think of all the movies, right? When like the characters getting revenge, it's all it's a chess game where the protagonist is trying their best to keep, you know, competing, quote unquote. But th- there's nothing to compete with. The plan was already set in motion. All moves was accounted for. Uh, Zemo action. You feel me? I do. <laughs> did you just see uh, LeBron James? Scold Contavious Will Caldwell Pope. As you were saying it, I'm watching it, and when I tell you, no grown man's gonna talk to me like that. that uh, he, it looks like he could possibly be motivating him, but he's like very, very like I don't know. I don't play for a LeBron team, but I definitely know that LeBron's best basketball player ever play basketball. I, I, I feel like I feel like he does get as passionate with his children. He doesn't. No, he does not. Not because, with, like, not with not with Bryce. I mean, not with any of them. Because because he knows like, I, I he can't. Because like, could you imagine him getting on them for like taking out the trash or something or like Bro, trying to motivate them? You know, a hundred percent. But Bronny is like right soft. now on the path. He told he he put it in the ether. LeBron James made it known. That he would like to play on the on an NBA team with his son before he retires, and also he said, if not that, against his son before he retires. How, how much pressure could you put on a fourteen-year-old? Mm. Like so, so I'm saying, of course, he's already pedal to the metal with him, but he's on his way. He's good. He's so good that he's able to, you know, smoke a J every now and then. I mean, that's talent. Yeah. Yeah, that's talent. How tall is uh, Bronny? I wonder. Every time you look at him, he's got a new growth spurt, like a uh, like a new a new um, edition of a Marvel's character. It Come makes on, me like, think- Ooh, this one's a big one. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> But it makes me think about like your choice in having children with people. Like, do you know that? Um, oh my goodness! The the black Muslims um, of New York, they like who you married. You had to fall in a certain height range. 
So like nobody five wow. two or five three could marry a six foot tall person. Like like if the man was wow. six foot one, the man was six foot one, the woman would have to be like five nine to five eleven. That's heightest. Uh, it's genius if you trying to like engineer oh, like athletes. No, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like if LeBron, yeah. Like I don't, I'm not sure how tall LeBron's wife is. She looks nice, like maybe five nine, five eight. But like, um, you know, if you would have got him a nice little six three, yeah. Chair, you know, I I I mean, Michelle's stature is a part of her, um, I guess sexual appeal for me, and like always has been. But also in the sense of <laughs> what could our children could what could our children like like what would that what would that be like yep yep you gotta consider it i mean you've considered it and already you already know carter's gonna be big boy he's gonna be a big boy he's already already, he's already he's already he's already close to 30 pounds and he's like like 15 months old or about to be mm. 15 months old yeah but anyways bro lebron is so good like i, I honestly uh like sounds ridiculous but in this like crazy uh money driven on the backs of slaves uh racist uh systemic society capitalism all the other stuff that we live in Mm -hmm. uh sports was birthed out of that uh luxury and Mm -hmm. it's a real fabric of entertainment media Mm -hmm. and 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 life and uh for a lot of people's lives um and i am very very grateful that i was that i lived during this uh time to to watch lebron james like i remember in high school watching his very first game and like sitting there and watching the whole game start to finish and ending it in the middle wow yeah yeah Yeah. but i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you what mushrooms have enlightened me to okay you 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 have existed in all times sports it really has existed in all cultures like it's not a capitalism thing. It's like there has always been sports from the aztecs having that little ball that you got to like hit through the hoop with your butt True. on el dorado right or uh, oh my god to the to the coliseum <laughs> to like you know what i mean there's always been sports and i imagine you lived in those realities with witnessing the lebron james of those sports right so if you was in you know egypt ancient egypt and you was doing something like what kind of sports they had they had something with a with a stick it was like hockey they had something with a stick in a in a, in a ball that's you that's your shit brandon that's your shit you was you was there interesting that is like it's almost how like and you say you haven't watched any of these movies but it's not kind of how like i identify with quidditch players in harry potter there you go it's like oh athlete there you go you was you was you was in uh hufflepuff's booth recording you know it was your job you just happened to work for the magical sports i call them hufflepuff home games 
I called them Hufflepuff home games. Lakers are going to uh, even the series out. I think it's safe to say at this point. Oh, my God. Um, hey, when I say Caruso is my favorite. Bro. My favorite, like, white player. Bro. He's my favorite white player. Bro. And he's I think a... he's, like, he's, like, properly American white. And I, I say all the mm-hmm. time, like, we have to highlight, like, American-grown white players yep. in the yep. NBA mm-hmm. and just recognize them because mm-hmm. there's a lot of European players yep. that take up Canada, Steve Nash, one of the best yep. that did it at the point guard yep. position, uh, Canadian. So, like, the Americans got to stand up. That's why you got to uh, – No, they got to stand up because they didn't have to – the European NBA players didn't have to go through, like, years of being called white boy and called the white boy. Right. And, like, being underestimated because you were the white boy in right. a majority black sport. Yeah. There's a toughness. There's a grit that comes from that. That's why European players be so fucking weird. It's just so that's, why, that's why, like, Christian Leitner was just, like, such a, a thing. He's who's, like, who, um, what? Who's, who's, uh, Garismo? Denver. They got, he got, they got two Europeans, Garismo and, uh, Kalinishnikov. Jokovic. He's talking about Jokic. The Jokic. MVP of the, of the NBA this year? Yeah, Jokic, and then they got another Italian, or he ain't Italian, but I don't know what he is. He's yeah. European. I know you're talking about. Both of them, I hate their games. Both of them. Is it, are you talking about Joe Ingles? No, no, no. It's, it's, he's, he's, uh, He's what is Joe Ingles? For real, for real. Who's Joe Ingles? Is that Denver? That's not Denver. I'm on. I'm talking about Denver. Who's Ingles playing for right now? Oh, Jazz. Yeah, I'm done. I always get them mixed up. Is that dyslexia? Getting the uh, Utah Jazz and the Denver Nuggets mixed up? Um, I mean, you could call it that. Uh, I just think we, our minds. Just kind of vibrating on a different pathway to where some things just. No, 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 no. I think it's dyslexia. Uh, Michelle's mom spelled. We were like trying to spell something so Carter didn't recognize it. And mm-hmm. she was trying to say water hose and she spelled it mm-hmm. real fast. Uh, she spelled it and I said, Carter wanted some water shoes. But... Why are y'all spelling water hose? Y'all don't want Carter to say hose? No, he no no no. He's obsessed with it. And every time he like in grand, grandma's, you know, grandma's they want to give oh, really? the baby. And every and Michelle gets so mad because every time he goes over there, he's getting all wet because he wanna go play with the water hose. Oh story shit. Sense. It's definitely it's definitely your son. Bro, definitely yeah. Son. Bro. Outside, he loves it, bro. He, he'll oh, we were hanging out. Mom got him on cocoa melon, so when she babysits with him, she puts on cocoa melon and he gets all the songs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So we thought that she got him entertained in the house, and that's something we can never do. We always got to go running around just to keep him entertained. And he was doing the cocoa melon head, shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes dance, and was getting people's shoes. Like getting like shoes, getting like bringing mom her shoes, bringing Michelle her shoes to like leave. <laughs> like he was like, okay, let's get, let's come on, let's get, come on, this is, let's go, let's go. While singing Coco Melon. <laughs> 
Yes, one singing cocoa melon, and also they need to BET need to come out with a, a cocoa melon because uh, the songs in there be messing with my son's rhythm, and I'm worried about them. Um, Interesting. Mom, mom, mom compared him to Zoe, and I love Zoe, but we all know Zoe can't dance, and Carter can dance a little bit better than Zoe right now. Mm. So, then mm. like obviously this isn't a comparison or anything like that. Like Zoe is like she puts her heart in it, like a child does. Yeah, yeah. No, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I mean, we, I feel like we had to learn rhythm. We didn't just have rhythm. We had to. We definitely. I mean, MC Hammer helped out a lot. I was thinking about like the what the 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 world that we grew up in. Like, think about this. Like when we were like coming to understand music that we were listening to, Tupac and Biggie were the two biggest rappers, and. Uh, it was a East Coast West Coast battle of Biggie flipping eight, uh, or Puffy flipping eighties ballads, and uh, Dr. Dre just like creating something from nothing. It was like a and in Ice Cube, yeah, it was just a special time. So, but I don't think that gave us rhythm. Like I, I, was, I was, I, I, MC Hammer bro. Like, like we were dancing to him. We were watching MC Hammer music videos and mimicking those dances. When, like when it did, just came. When did Daddy and Ronnie get married? Um, I think I was, I was five. Okay. No, no, no. I was four. Okay, so I was six. Five. So I, I was I, four, I, four, five, four, five. Let's call five. Let's do five, five. Yeah, I think five is good. I remember very much so, like, dancing very badly at when it came time for, like, me to dance with Ronnie. And I, like, just busted out in this free-form, like, jit. Probably it, MC was, it was never on beat. And it was not on beat at all. Um, Like, I, I feel like wow. I didn't really get rhythm until Detroit. And we had that dance class. Did you have that dance class? No, no, no. You with the ballet shoes, the lady in the, yeah, the UPS. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you didn't. You had her. I didn't. We had the we had the um, the hip hop class. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, after oh, after yeah. school, I had the African music. So y'all, uh, if y'all, well, I guess I was about to like give the context because right now we just talking about. Oh stuff shit! That did the game end? Yes, it did. Lakers one oh nine, Phoenix one oh two. Happy to hear it. Happy to see it. Yeah, happy to see it. Uh you're gonna give context to the thing? No, no, no. I wanted to welcome keep it moving. everybody. Yeah, keep it moving. Welcome everybody to episode twenty seven. Is it that? I think so. I'm about to check. But yeah. Episode uh, twenty-seven. We uh, we know we've been um, you know, absent on your podcast, but not absent in your hearts. So mm. thank you for uh, sliding to this new episode. Okay. Um, Brandon's still in Florida. Yes, ma'am. Um getting all types of sun house 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 florida been have you seen uh, florida? plenty of them 
plenty of Florida men, uh, men and women actually. Uh, it's but it's been good. It's been good. But mom just we just took mom back to the airport. She got sick while she was here, uh, but I still felt like a no- normal mom trip. Um, the so yeah, that was nice. Carter got a chance to be around both his nanny and his Grammy. Uh, that, that was fun. They they did a lot of running around. I've been working. I did have a full off week while I was here. I got my eyes checked. That's why I'm wearing glasses. Uh, Care for what you pray for. When I was a kid, I grew up uh, looking up to Lance, who had braces and glasses, and I wanted to be just like my older brother. So I, uh, at one point in time, may have slipped in a prayer about the glasses and needed them for a long time. Just didn't know what astigmatism was. Didn't even know that astigmatism was a one word versus astigmatism. Like I thought astigmatism was a thing, but it's like and astigmatism. Yeah, astigmatism is just itself stigmatism. That's something maybe like that's like glasses privilege knowledge. And you thought it was a astigmatism. I thought it was astigmatism. Like you had astigmatism. <laughs> Like it's a disease. Oh, you have astigmatism. You... And you just thought that was like some eye condition. Yeah, astigmatism. Yeah, yeah, not... the, the, the man called astigmatism from from farting in somebody's is face. Is it not? No. Is it not no astigmatism? That? It's not astigmatism because it, it turns it. Then into what like is astigmatism? A stigmatism is a when your um, eyeball is shaped uh, incorrectly. So your vision is just off a little bit. Not incorrectly as much as like it's shaped in a different way. It's weird that I, nature gives us stigmatisms. Like I was meant to look at the world blurry and not see things far away. Oh man, the, I went to the eye doctor the other day. They died. They, they, uh, I had a once I got my eyes checked. They they thought I might have had glaucoma. So they wanted to give me a specialist for that. So I went to that doctor and they dilated my pupils. And boy, that was some crazy-ish. Have you ever had that happen to you? Mm-hmm. Each time. It was like, it's like wildly like, I didn't know what that, I didn't know what that was like, what was going on. But anyways, I found out my cornea, my right cornea is less dense than my left cornea. All kinds of just random weird stuff you know about yourself when you're looking into your health um why did i wanted to ask why huh? did you get a glaucoma test you're not like glaucoma tests are like for literally like 45 and up no i mean it's based on the optic nerve and my right optic nerve <laughs> sorry guys uh actually i'm trying to remember what's like a I was trying to describe a picture of what the optic nerve looks like, but my it's a cylindrical um, uh, ball of lights of green, uh, orange, yellow lights that are supposed to be like this like spirit bomb thing in your eye. It has a full circle. You can see kind of like the the cusp, the edges of it, the borders of it, if you will. And my left eye. That bitch look like uh, dust floating in the wind are like a deteriorating, like a planet dying. And they said that's early signs of possible glaucoma. 
they ran the test. So they said it's very treatable. You just need some eye, eye drops. If, if it, It's based on eye pressure. Glaucoma is like if your eyeballs, sockets are okay, getting too but much don't, pressure. Don't, don't go in there and have them selling you shit and giving you sicknesses and shit like that. You are a young man. You ain't got no If you let me finish the story, I'll let you know that I, I did not have glaucoma. Uh, but I need to have a field of vision test um, to to finalize, like put that results with my eye results. But the doctor looked, showed me my stuff, and everything uh, looks great and good. So that's good to know. Seeing is very important. When I had my pupils dilated, I was like, I can see how, like you know, Stevie Wonder had it rough. You lie. I always think about losing my sight and get excited about like my other senses. Being, you ain't daredevil. I'm not. I'm not. But I want to believe that I would be if I lost my sight. That's fair. So that yeah, so I could be optimistic. Like you know, Stevie Wonder. You know, you say he had a hard time. Um, he had a very long career from a very young age. Has made a lot of money. And continues to make a lot of money, and you know, if you had to be been a able to articulate person, them, them hard times, and them uh, hard times made him into an artist. Uh, you know, the piano. You know, uh, again, him being blind, kind of, he got the superpowers. So I, th- I feel like if you're going to be a blind person, that's the uh, he rationalizes people, rationalizing people's talents by their ailments. I mean, mm, like, would Stevie Wonder be still be Stevie Wonder if he could see? He will be Stevie. No, you see, by by your logic, you're saying no. <laughs> you're saying you you're saying if if Stevie Wonder start is able to see, he plays piano like you. <laughs> no, you hear me? What I said, if he could see, he wouldn't be Stevie Wonder. He would be Stevie Knowing. Oh, <laughs> my lanta. That is so funny. Speaking of bars, we haven't gotten a chance to talk about the off season. J. Cole's fifth studio album. Mm-hmm. I'm far, I'm far less worried or, um, kind of concerned with his fifth album as much as I'm concerned with his uh, debut overseas basketball performance. What? Uh, was it 3-3 three, three and 8? Or 3-3 three, three and 3? Like, are you no, talking two. about his stats? Yeah. No, 0-0-3-2. Zero, zero, I don't think he scored any points the whole time. No, I thought he scored Two points nope. the first game. Uh, I've uh, I've watched every um every highlight, and he's made. Is it on that? Is it on that uh that show you told me or that streaming site you told me about? No, I watch it on World Star. Oh my gosh, they got him out there like that. Yes, they have him out there like that. That's and not right. It's <laughs> not right. That got nothing to do with his with the his, announcers. Don't bring that to his. Okay, go ahead. To what the comeback? I'm saying the announcers and everything when they talking about his like 
his game is so encouraging, but you could tell it's just because he's a celebrity. Like if it was a real announcer in the NBA, he'd be like, they got to take this guy out. He keeps, he keeps. He, he, is, is J. Cole point, point shaving? He seems, no. Uh, but no, he's getting used to it. I'm sure it's uh, different. And I don't know. He could, I probably couldn't. How does he, how did he try to replicate that run? Before getting out it. there in the game. I'm here for it. Whatever. Like, artists should be doing what they want to do. My man went to Africa and said, I'm going to play on a basketball team. And that's Master what he Master P did. was a G-, G League in, uh, in New Orleans. That's beautiful. And, and, and almost, or no, Charlotte, and then Charlotte Hornets picked him up, but he never played. Did you like his album? J. Cole's album? Mm-hmm. Yes, loved it. I I I I likened it to uh now I now I'm other ears hearing it, I'm like, uh, maybe not that. But I likened it to what Kendrick Lamar did with To Pimp a Butterfly in his world, but shorter. Um in a way in a way that's that's speaking to um his re- him reclaiming his status and uh, putting out something that was like an unquestionable piece of music, but also letting people join in on the fun who were like in at this point in time. And like I, those, those features on the album were really, really good. And, and I thought J. Cole was rapping like he knew he was the best again, even though like I liked him. I've never been a huge J. Cole fan, but I've always liked him when he rapped as if he was the best rapper. Like 2014 Forest Hill Drive is like you put play, let it let it go all the way through. That's a no skip album. And yeah. then uh KOD was not it. And then the other one he put out was not it. And this one just was like has replay value. Simple as that. I can say a bunch of other words to tell you that this album has replay value and I've enjoyed replaying it. Yep. I've played it a few times myself. Um, I am also not the biggest J. Cole fan. It was funny. I was talking to Rob. He was like, why do you say that? I was like, because I feel like I could do what he does. Like, I feel like mm. as a rapper, I could, I, I can write. You couldn't this. though. I, okay. All right. It's I mean, yeah, it's yeah. not it's not no you gotta think about it. it's not about rapping it's not about rapping with J Cole I think what makes J Cole different is the same thing that makes Drake different in the sense of like through it all they're artists and they know how to make a good song and they also know how to make pieces of music that are connected in theme for an album like i think they're they're very good at like kanye westing like every second is connected throughout this thing uh i mean that i feel like that's more you giving too much credit uh to the actual like rapper and not enough to the producer and the engineer and the people that are like in the room with him be like you know Maybe we should do this, and maybe we should do that. Like, I, I do think that he's like, I wanted to sound like this kind of, but there's Bro. a lot more. 
on 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 95 south just as an example of what i'm talking about on 95 south the first song on that album who do you hear first uh cameron you hear cameron then you hear j cole Mm -hmm. and then at the end of the album you hear little john Mm -hmm. 95 south the highway the one that he used to drive to go up to New York when he was in school mm-hmm. at St. John mm-hmm. starts in Harlem mm-hmm. and ends in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And it goes through Lafayette where he's from. like, he, that's not, that's not the engineer. That's him reaching out to like, to Cam to start his album off. Uh, Little John to end it and him naming the, the track 95 South as he's just barring but like, like yeah, that's I mean, like okay. that's intent. That's intentionality. That's intentionality. That that uh, he's never come out with a non-concept anything. So I mean, that's, that's yeah, yeah. That's, 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 yeah. That's normal. Again, I can. That's not something that I can't do. Uh, but some know. of the concept stuff is like, I mean, the KOD, for example, his concept was everyone likes a little pump. I've made fun of a little pump publicly. Let me make a little pump esque album. A SoundCloud, and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, he can do that, and he can have some hits on there. But like, why would any J Cole fan want to listen to that? Maybe like you don't even want to listen to that. I mean, I'm not a J Cole fan. I'm talking to him, so, like him to himself. He didn't um, like. He wasn't. I mean, a, let me take that back. I want to stay for the record. Like, I am not a. I'm not the biggest fan of his rapping, but as a person, as a human being, I'm oh a my god, J Cole fan. Oh my I'm god, the biggest J Cole fan. He he is right up my alley. Yes, no, sir. Don't look expensive. Uh, yeah, we ain't trying to be flashy, like on some uh, liberation of the people. You know, I say stuff that gets me checked from time to time from feminist rappers or feminist peers. You know, what I mean, you remember when No Name checked them? Oh yeah, yeah. A little back and forth. They had a little back and forth. There. Yeah, it was yeah, nice. yeah. But like, yeah, like he's just he's a. He's like human in a way that like like in, in a way in a weird way of how like LeBron James represents this like relatability of like if you were this gifted at this thing and got put on in this way, mm-hmm. like this is how you'd move. J. Cole is a walking representation of someone who's like like us, like got it from the mud and like understand what not having a lot of funds and seeing a lot of it around you is like Mm -hmm. and and like committing like betting on itself going to school up there trying being a rapper trying to do it in new york like signing with jay-z early on in his new label i think that was his first artist he signed and then him actually so him being jay-z's prodigy and he's like i'm this dude from nothing oh shit i'm jay-z's prodigy like I gotta just wrap my ass through this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's like, he's done a, and then starting his own label, Dreamville. Like that Dreamville album was one of the best albums in 2019. Mm-hmm. That uh, that collab project. Like he's 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 done his part, and then now I feel like this is next step is him like just trying to tap back into the artistry. It was almost like, yeah, maybe almost like a version of Damn. Then Pepper Butterfly for Kendrick Lamar because how damn kind of played like a mixtape with like drops throughout the album 
That's kind of how this. That's kind of how this feels. You giving it far too much credit. Is there a? Is there a? What we going we gonna we gonna end this with the off season? Rate it. Rate it from zero to ten. This Jacob album. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, okay. If you want to put my feet to the fire, I'll put, I'll give it a, uh, there's enough inspiration in there for me. I'll get there. I'll get there. I've got there. I'm going to give it a nine. I was going to say 8.8 just to be real. Um, but you know what? I, I, I'm, I thought about 21 Savage. I thought about 21 Savage verse, and I was like, you know what, a nine. Hmm. Give it a. Uh, I'll give it an eight for 21 Savage's verse, and without it, I'll give it a 7.8. Yeah, like he didn't even. Little baby didn't even like go. Like he he rapped, but he didn't like. I feel like Lil Baby went harder on e- on the ESTG track than he did on uh, J. Cole's album. Mm-hmm. And Lil Baby's on is on the terror right now. Um Go ahead. Go ahead, no. Please. Yeah, I was about to say, oh, uh, I'm gonna take up uh three minutes of time real quick and interject with um just my piece on uh the ser- seriousness. It's like uh to go away from entertainment real quick uh since the me you had last sat down uh there's been a whole um ethnic cleansing happening in palestine right now uh, with israel being the aggressor and instead of like spending a whole bunch of time and telling my opinion and all this other stuff i thought it'd be a good opportunity to take three minutes and educate our audience on the conflict and what's going on because people don't even know like i mean people feel like people are like uh yeah no i see that free palestine i feel like i feel like they've been saying that for a long time uh, i feel like i was saying free palestine uh when i was a kid and the fact is it's yes like, no, this, actually, yeah well no no that, it, it has been going on for a long time because it's just always been like this or not always been like this but at least for the past 30 years but um let's give a quick little history lesson and then we can uh move on but i do want to start out say free and take your time don't have to be three minutes right on um also oh i'm not gonna be doing it uh it is actually being done by a person that i follow um on uh social medias her name is lenezy that's underscore l-y-n-e-e-z-y and i think she did a wonderful job explaining what's going on so let's see if you can uh but i'm gonna keep hey y'all what's up it's friday so hear that keep it black but i'm gonna keep Absolutely. it free so i done educated myself mr biden hmm? mr biden if you will how you gonna run a campaign talking about equity and justice for all but you're over there sowing seeds of discord across the water so earlier this month joseph biden signed a 735 million dollar weapons sale to israel we talking joint direct attack munitions kits which would mean that israel would have the ability to turn bombs into precision guided missiles now this sale was made before the violence in gaza but how was we supposed to know they was going to use it to fight the hamas what y'all they've been fighting the hamas for decades so 
what else did you think they was going to use it for? Excuse me, what is the Hamas? Oh, they're this militant group that controls the entire Strip of Gaza. They've been fighting for the liberation of Palestinians since the 80s. But due to their tactics, a lot of nations, including the U.S., are calling them terrorists. Well, why are they doing that? Well, because they have a history of suicide bombings and launching missile attacks on Israel. The same Israel that was imposed upon them by Great Britain? How did Great Britain get involved? Well, they basically walked into Israel and told the Palestinians that the Zionists were moving in. Then, when things got a little bit too hectic, they passed them off to the U.N. How did they just pass the nations around and make nations where nations already exist? Girl, you know how the white folks do. Excuse me, what is a Zionist? Somebody who believes in making a Jewish state in Israel. Anyway, all I'm saying is that while these may be extreme measures, the Hamas are fighting to protect their people from being murdered and evicted from their rightful homes. Well, they don't recognize Israel's right to exist. And they're not taking a peaceful approach like the PLO or the Palestinian Liberation Organization. Okay, noted. I'm just saying. The U.S. also considered the Black Panther Party to be a terroristic organization because they too denounced a nonviolent approach in regards to the civil rights movement. Well, honestly, you really can't compare the two because this conflict is unlike any conflict you've ever seen. Plus, the Black Panthers weren't launching missiles on nobody. Yes, but as a descendant of a colonized group of people, one thing that I've come to understand as a general rule of thumb is that you just can't take any colonizing country's evaluation of the group that they're colonizing for face value. It's giving very much danger of a single story. Okay, noted. Just be careful because these sentiments could be considered anti-Semitist. You mean anti-Zionist. As in opposition to how a Jewish state is being created in Israel. Emphasis on how. Anti-Semitism would mean anti-Jew and there are Jewish Palestinians, so that doesn't really make sense. Hmm. You good? Back to the story. But now, Joe want to turn around and ask the Prime Minister to fall back. Tom out. hey man, we're going to need you to significantly de-escalate any plans you had to actually use these weapons. We would actually like a ceasefire. And but now it's too late for all that. Plus, Israel's Prime Minister sent out a tweet earlier this week talking about Israel's attacks will continue for as long as it takes to restore calm for all of its citizens. I'm sorry, mm -hmm. calm? For which of your citizens? Because according to the 1980 Amendment to Israel's nationality laws, Palestinians are also 100% citizens of Israel. Well, girl, according to the 14th Amendment, black people technically became citizens in 1868, but here we are 153 years later still fighting to attain equal rights. We should tell you that equal rights and citizenship are not the same thing. And that's what gets me every time. Because calm usually refers to maintaining the peace of mind for the colonizing entity and the power structure that currently benefits them. Which is how... Oh, Lord, here she go. Which is how American children can sit in classroom and digest the genocide of indigenous people as a necessary evil for America to become what it is today. Which is how slavers can sleep at night after torturing and mutilating black bodies on plantations. Which is how lynchings were permitted by law enforcement for decades. Which is how people just accepted the fact that you can't talk about race at work. Because before 2020, even well-meaning white folks didn't want to create any conflict and keep the peace. All this is to say, ladies and gentlemen, is that colonialism is indeed a universal language. Wow. So many parallels. Well, girl, I told you I was going to keep it black. All right. Well, it's Lynn Easy. She goes quick, but she covers everything. And I wanted to play her um, recap because I feel like she kind of reflects um, the black consciousness uh, opinion of the situation going mm -hmm. on. I could have easily had, you know, a Palestinian explain the situation. Um, but I feel like we need to draw those parallels Um when talking about just kind of any kind of colonialism or uh, ethnic cleansing that goes and 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 when it, when it comes to America's involvement in it, yeah, some, something on. something about the the message coming from uh, a, I guess a, a foreign messenger doesn't necessarily like sit as well with black people and Americans in general, but especially mm -hmm. black people. Mm -hmm. Seven yeah. seven hundred and thirty five million to Israel, but you can't cancel student loans, bro. 
And then you then you run on that? Then wasn't that one of the promises, bro? You was going selling weaponry too, man. It's like the uh that's the scary part of like the the Marvel world that I guess it's always been up as like the the evil and treacherousness and tyranny that it's the genesis of it is like society and like actual mm-hmm. world like what, what was really going on <laughs> so mm-hmm. um well yeah i mean sp- i mean speaking of just uh that level of uh debauchery and, and evilness uh we are recording this uh the night of 365 days since george floyd's murder and just being reminded that that is uh it's been a one full year uh since those the video of george floyd's uh long tor- torturous murder was put on all of our phones um you kind of like think about uh what's happened as a result and you know what has changed if anything at all and and obviously we know chronologically brown and taylor was before uh george floyd but we didn't have we didn't have to see her be gunned down uh on video um but yeah so how, how you uh i guess what are your what are your thoughts on through uh, a year a year after um this uh one of my mentors Ahmad Washington, Doctor Ahmad Washington, put his name on it. Yeah, people's people's serious about that doctor shit. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, he a lot of money, you know, a lot of years. Right? No, I mean, it's it's a serious accomplishment. So, and he's he's like publishing papers and all types of stuff. He's really big on the academia circuit. But um, I'm gonna read to yeah. you what he said. Right? He said um. It's violent to thank George Floyd for his sacrifice. All right. So first, let's ponder mm-hmm. on that. He thinks he said that, you know, to say, George Floyd, thank you for sacrificing and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. Who's, he said who's? he continued. He continues to say black people don't aspire to be wor- the world's martyrs and this country's racial minors canary. Like mm. canary in a coal mine, like our, yeah. our deaths are the, we you know, hey, there's a problem down here. There's a problem with uh, systemic uh, police brutality and so on and so forth. And then the last one he said was, what does it mean to slash for black people when our gratuitous murder functions almost exclusively as an opportunity for whiteness to reflect? pine and wax poetic about itself so it's like run that back run that back turbo i know what does it mean to slash for black people when our gratuitous murder functions almost exclusively as an opportunity for whiteness to reflect write poetic about itself he said oh pain and wax Academics be using these for no, yeah. uh, no, I'm playing wax for about themselves. That's great. Uh, wow, that's that's a great. I mean, that is a, a a great point. Like it's it's 
It's like it's like I, I, it's it's hard it's it's hard to articulate something that's like a part of the fabric of your being and also like so close to my specific like just reality. Um mm. uh Yeah, I mean I I, I don't yeah, no. Did you it's, did you want to did you you want to obviously I'm, I'm yeah 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 you. I was going to extend where I'm I'm speaking about and for those who don't get what I'm saying like or what Doctor Ahmad is saying he's you know he's saying like we how do we feel after 365 days we are fucking in a perpetual state of pessimism like each of these people that you that whiteness kind of holds up as the examples of like reasons why we need to come together. Oh, look at what happened to Emmett Till. We need to come together. Like it always takes a black death for, to get white people on the train, right. To get white people like uh, more on the. Reflective on, on, on the reality. Yeah. To reflect on the reality. On our realities. But, but meanwhile we are dying. Right, like we are being right. imprisoned, we are being maimed and just uh really kept down. It's just uh so three hundred sixty five days, oh, it's so crazy, also in Louisville, they chose to pick today to tell everybody that there will be no charges brought to the national guardsmen and police officers who killed David Yaya Mcatee. Um, a local uh, chef, you can call him, but he was a neighborhood cat, um, and he was killed um, in the midst mm-hmm. of the Breonna Taylor um, protests. But it wasn't like during a protest. It just so it was just a part of the city where people collect on Saturday night, and it, a lot of people. It's like two clubs over there. I mean, he was down. Protests. He was down there working, wasn't he? He was down there cooking, doing doing what he always does. So anyway, they said no charges will be brought against him. So it's like double blow. It's like, hey, George, everything George Floyd died is, you know, still happening. We only got one cop. There's, I think, five others that have yet to go through their trials and their part in George Floyd's death. So we still don't have closure on that. We don't have closure on Breonna Taylor because apparently nobody killed her or nobody's responsible for killing mm. her. And then mm. we have no justice for David Yak- uh, McAtee because obviously nobody's responsible for killing him either. Mm. And our my, my heart and mind goes out to all of the hundreds and I hope not thousands of deaths uh of black people by the hands of of racists or people hating or have uh, ill intent or or ill infect ill infatuations because that can always lead to death as well um that we don't hear about that we don't hear about the ones that we don't hear about the ones that the the hangings in 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 california that were scattered around during that time period that were un that were Linked back to suicide at the end of the day, like all, all of the the, crazy. the big government cover up, like the, the um, I mean, this is all this, all this, uh, it, even even George Floyd's case, it was a, a cover up. The you said the police document that got filed said it was like a routine traffic stop or some bullshit, like it like lied 
and got filed as a lie. Yeah, these you know what I mean? Like this, not, yeah, these things yeah. are not the exception. They are the rule. No, yeah. Like, you yeah. know, this it is all this stuff you're talking about, we could probably find that in every single, you know, wrongful death. And yeah. Um I would take the time to say that we need to do away with um immunity. It's called um there's another word that goes before it. I don't know why it's slipping my mind right now, but Herd immunity? No. <laughs> no, it ain't herd immunity. Um qualified immunity. I think that's what it is for cops when um it basically keeps them from being sued in civil court. So like you can sue your mailman for accidentally delivering uh a bomb to your house, right? Like what? if you get injured for the bomb, not only can you sue the mail department, like the 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 USPS, you can sue them and you can sue the individual who neglected to hear a ticking package so like neglected to oh like you're supposed to be some see something say something as a as a post uh postal worker yep and as a cop you are supposed to protect and serve not maim and kill so i should be able to sue you if you maim and kill me or one of my loved ones seems fair we got to stop this this gofundme um Charity. movement yeah i hate that like if i die brandon don't start no GoFundMe. like i want legislation passed if the cops kill me oh i, I don't stop, even want no stop. don't don't connect your death to that only you, you said you said if i die I don't start GoFundMe. I, was, I was thinking about just in general i was like well i'm sure the kids gonna need some stuff and then you said if the cops kill me you know legislation but yeah i think yeah, I mean, you still don't start no GoFundMe. I mean, you do that kind of interpersonally. People, you know, you ain't got to... Email thread. Yeah, I ain't trying to... I would hate for my death to turn into something that annoys <laughs> somebody, you know, you know, while they're checking their emails in the morning, like, right. okay, okay. Ah, damn it, Kiva. Oh, man. You, you got no more money. You just made me think about, like, all the deaths that end up being flyers that people throw away come on mm. you got something to switch up the energy in this mother sucker I we do. gonna switch I up do. the topic oh just the, the topic <clears throat> switching up the topic back to local entertainment um i recently it's been since the last time we talked my resume I've had to change my CV. You know, I've had to update my CV. Got Ooh. a few, got a few ticks in the resume. Okay, um, some new uploads. Yeah, definitely. Some new cover letters. Um, the ballet, the Louisville Ballet, uh, used a, a few of my pieces. So we like filmed it, and it's you know COVID, so it's virtual. But you still got to buy a ticket to see their mug. Um, wow. But um. I think that they did well. I think that it turned out well. Um, I'm kind of upset that, you know, it's like white ballet people dancing to this really black poetry. But yeah, you get you, you, you know, you get what you 
which you can use. It's, it's you got to work with the tools given to you. Yeah, it's a ballet company in Kentucky. Like, what do we expect? You can you can easy that thing out with and, with and all still, black people later on. And, and they still did a very good job. Now, the choreographer of um, it's called I Am the play or the ballet is called I Am. What was your poem? What's the name of your poem? Hold on. The choreographer's okay. name, his name is Brandon Raglan. Um, but he's black. Oh, he's the only he's the only black uh ballet. I don't think he's the only uh, maybe he's black ballet Brandon. Yeah, yeah. Black ballet Brandon. Um he choreographed the whole thing and it's crazy because you can see like what he wanted it to do in his African body, but then these European bodies trying to like Oh, wow. It's very robotic versus when he did it. I'm sure it was just like flash jam, flash dance inspired thing. But it was beautiful. It really did come out good. No shade to the ballerinas and ballerine nose. Um, and I think that I think that it was good. But uh, I don't know what the name of my pieces was. One was like um, one was ballet piece number one started mark 245 the second one was name so uh, you made them original for this yeah yeah oh, okay yeah dang so you had to load the clip and let it let it flip also uh we we skipped through mother's day uh mom was here so that experience that we talked about that but you gave a mother's day poem uh, I was talking to mom on the phone on FaceTime. She was getting ready to go, and then she did realize she uh, couldn't go. But it, it it was better because she said that you, you said that you wouldn't be able to get to the piece without it. Um, talk about that that experience, writing the poem and performing it at this Mother's Day event. How did that go? Um, it was good. The Mother's Day event was hosted by my homie Deep Sea Rice. Um, and it was had on 4th Street. Um, it had four poets. I was the headliner. Um, and it was like, it was Mother Day, Mother's Day Center. So it was always, uh, it was uh, a lot of mothers there. Um, it was like a brunch set up. You could pick, you could, you know, eat what you wanted to eat. Um, nice little boost it was good it was a good elegant event i felt very embarrassed everybody was dressed very nicely um and all the poets had suit jackets on and i came with like a track jacket and some like slacks and how does the how how does this in the poetry scene like i imagine there's not mean there's like the dress code or like attire isn't a line in the like info booklet to like when you get booked so like how oh, do you is. how do you decide it is that it is yeah 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 it's for the it's for the and chris told me he was like i just figured you'd be the main one to come in a jacket i was like you thought wrong bro you should have told me bro you got me out here looking <laughs> very casual <laughs> like i'm the headliner too like it's the, the, the headliner the headliner comes out shirtless the opener was like dressed like the deacon mm. the second dude it was amanda gorman got people inspired in the poetry community that's beautiful oh. they say dressed to the nines when you do your thing 
Michelle Obama could watch it or she could see it. But people, it was beautiful because people really underestimated me. They was just like, who is this motherfucker coming up here? He obviously With his jacket. With shady as jacket. But um, it was good. He's my yeah, young podcast. I, I um, did one. I did like an opener and then uh, I did another. I closed with like one that I know very well. And um, I don't have any like Mother's Day specific poems. Like writing a poem to your mother is like personal. It's like, you know. Uh, you need a couple weeks. No, no, no. It's just one of those things you tell. If you're a poet, and especially if you've been writing poetry as long as I have as like a kid, like when I had a problem with my mom, I wrote a poem and then recited the poem oh. to her instead of like oh, having like an argument. So like none of my I remember this were... artistic form of of, of uh, um, conflict resolution. There we go. There we go. It worked worked every time. Um, resolution. I mean, not work not work like I got my way, but work like she saw where I was coming from. But anyway, um, so all my poems for Mother's Day were like these personal things like that nobody's gonna understand like, like almost like the equivalent of inside jokes yeah 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 <laughs> and it like poems that if mom Hurt, was like there, when magic scratched me when i play if if mom no like like you said that i couldn't go outside with my friends and then i don't know and it hurt okay. like it wasn't it wasn't going to end with like her in tears like oh that was such a sweet poem oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was going to end then motherfucker I said no <laughs> I don't know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> I said you can't go to the movies with your friends I don't, I don't care how many poems you write I don't care oh, no, no. <laughs> but what I ended up doing Brandon you know the song mom uh, sung to us when we were angry Oh, yes. So I sung that, or I told everybody what the song was. I sung the song, and then I broke down each line to, and then wrote, like, bars for each different line, right? And then I came to, in the song, y'all, there's a part where it says, um, uh, uh, my little boy would never be as mean as you. Mom sung this song when she did the podcast oh yeah 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 so people know okay good so the line where it says um my little boy would never be as mean as you he would never say goodbye without a kiss or two my line was and these days i say goodbye without giving you a kiss or two and i couldn't take it i like i like yell i did a rick flair woo i said woo (laughs) to like cover up and then like you know wipe my tears and stuff um, I had an old random one of my old bosses was there, and she was like, oh. she was like crying. She said, "I can't." She, she said, "I can't do this." <laughs> I can't do this. I love it. Yeah, but it was. Dang, nice May's been good to you, brother. It's good stuff. Mm-hmm. It was cool. So that's one, and then the Net Geo, um, did a that we've been talking about that on a podcast where I had a project with National Geographic, but yep. I wrote a blog post. Chet was talking was about it on the phone. He he read it? No, he was just talking to me about you doing that geo. So yes, you have talked about it on the podcast. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, it was cool, man. What about it? it was, uh, nothing. It was just a blog post. Uh, it it was a it was a a, a writer feather. So like you know how your resume. Well, anyway, I don't have no resume. I got a CV. Like you just about to see what I did, and you can Google that shit. But like, here are my accomplishments, and this is the year. I don't. Yeah, I don't understand that. I don't think it's like it's like a what is that the difference? You're talking the about? difference between a resume and a CV. Yeah, um, a CV is just a chronological date of your accomplishments. While a resume is a summary of the different jobs you worked and what your responsibilities were for those jobs. I always thought that was like just like computer talk for resume. So when you said that, I thought you were just talking specifically about a resume when you said the CV. That's a whole other thing. I have to look at that one day. You want to look at my resume? I need to update mine. Yeah, I would. Um, Some resumes... As, or some jobs ask for both. So some jobs would be like, I want your CV and your resume. Dang. Mm-hmm. But since my job for the past, like, six, seven years has been artists, like, I don't have no resume for you, bro. You want to know about when I worked at the Hilton or the, uh, the, the Hampton Inn? <laughs> right. Because I promise you those skills that go come in handy with teaching this art that's class. A, I, that's <laughs> I was like, I, I, I guess I, at this point in time, I have been blessed enough that, uh, no, I don't know if this is the real thing, but I guess in my career, my resume feels like that, but like, and it'd be like this interviewed Lonzo, uh, LeVar Ball interviewed yeah. Terrell Owens, right? you know, right, right, like, right, right, right. <laughs> like right. the, your resume, it'll have like the actual, like, uh, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, the Lucas Brothers. Oh, speaking of Lucas Brothers, they got the, the FBI to open up the Fred Hampton case again. Nice, good. Not the FBI, good. not the FBI, but somebody, yeah, yeah, but yeah. one of them. Well, they're talking about all of the the fact that good. they had deep cover people illegally in like uh, tamper or like you know. They're little spies, like the spies, like yeah. they they trying to, and in the in the realm of accountability, that's all we're asking. Not all we're asking. That's all we're getting at the bare minimum from police mm-hmm. officers right now, and mm-hmm. government officials and people with power is is accountability. They're at, they're going to be held accountable. Somebody's supposed to an investigation to be held accountable for the Fred Hampton death is is begun. And uh, shout out to the Lucas brothers. Um, who I interviewed on Two Bigs podcast, who got that started, who followed Michelle on Instagram. Um, so uh, shout out to those guys. But they don't follow you. No, I follow them as well. Yeah, no, we we follow each other. Oh, okay. They just follow okay. Michelle. I'm saying, like, I'm 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 using it as like a, as a receipt of like how how close I feel to these brothers. Yeah, <laughs> you know I mean? like it was a, it, it was a really good interview. We were able to uh, like. They I mean, follow, I got they follow them. me and my wife. Right. They even exactly. Follow, they even and and that, that started from a, a code email of like, hey, you guys want to jump on this podcast? At that point in time, I think me and Dave had already been beefing. So it was like, oh, yeah, hell yeah, these guys are stirring shit up. Like, <laughs> I'd love to do a podcast. 
the podcast with, with these guys. But um, oh, but yeah. Man. Anyway, so shouts out that to them. That's good. That's true. Yeah. That's so true. um, which all came from this? On ironically enough, it's not all came from this, but like it, I felt like I got a lot of when I talked about my career stuff. I got a lot of you talking about CV, like at Barstool. I wrote a blog for them uh, in the wake of George Floyd's murder that was like, did historical numbers for the, for the website and was yep. like uh, an example of a different a voice and opinion from what they traditionally see from the website. Uh, a lot of blogs were getting rid of block my blog. I was like, oh, sh- I'm, about to, I'm about to be the D. Ray McKesson of Barstool. Perfect. Yep. Yep. Right. Like, I, I let me ride this out, and yep. then, um, and then everything went left because that's what you, they, they, they're not. Yeah, yeah. everything went left yeah, yeah. with that. But I'm saying that was a part of my, like, that was like. But what I'm saying is like all that's going to be on your CV. So that would be on your CV, like every blog you did, and there's different sections for the CV. So I have like solo exhibition and group exhibition and. So you have like solo writing projects or just your individual blog posts. You have things that you published as a group or any numbers that maybe I'm crazy or too bigs or brother from another, like any, any of those numbers are now included in your group um, accolades. You know what I mean? That's actually really good. I was trying to, I was, I had plans to cut you off because I wasn't trying to talk about CVs. And I didn't know what I was talking about, trying to talk about, but that's very, that's good information to know. Because it's like, oh, I can create a CV. Yeah. Like our, our most viewed, maybe I'm crazy episode when we were linked to the Undisputed page. It was like, <laughs> like 400,000 views when we interviewed Matt Barnes or some shit like that. Uh, that, your boy. Um, yeah, that's good to know. Uh, oh, but yes. But anyways, in, in, yeah, in the wake of, in the wake of, basically, George Floyd's death in the uh, you talk about these uh, black people uh, that you're they're, one of your mentors talked about black people being this like trophy for white people to be self-reflective on just how we've all gotten to where we've gotten at, to this point uh, a reality that black people know far far too well um, things the the main thing that changes is like this uh highlighting of white privilege right oddly enough white privilege is in the forefront of george floyd's murder from Derek chauvin and that was one of the big things that like got me out of barstool like when like we were like like you couldn't talk about white privilege anymore and it was like oh like this is like okay well that's it for me like mm-hmm. you know what I mean? like this is like that was that was going to be my thing i was trying to make it a church and it, it couldn't be that so i, I went with the black branding thing try to be a heel and uh you know but anyways uh no so what i wanted to say um about what you're talking about is barstool and other companies um i mean a lot of republican-based um groups are pushing to uh, keep a new thing called critical race theory and it's not new but it's uh, gotten more popular as of recent it originated in like 
the 1970s, but critical race theory is an academic movement um, of civil rights scholars and activists in the United States who seek to critically examine the law as it intersects with issues of race and challenges the mainstream liberal approaches to racial justice, right? Um, there's been a few bills that have been passed in Texas to where it forbids teachers from teaching critical race theory, um, and they're working on trying to get it removed from um, just every classroom and campus that exists. Oh, is this why the, the UNC woman can't get tenure? Yeah. Let me make sure. But yeah, I think that is. But that's what Barstool is going through, too. Like from them talking about you or saying that you can't talk about um, white privilege. Um, it was like a, it was like a company wide thing. It was like after Trista wrote a blog about Steve Nash being hired as a Nets coach, being white privilege. Uh, it was like mandated that no one was allowed to touch that stuff anymore. And I was already, I was already kind of on the way out at that point in time mentally, so it was it's, uh, it wasn't like a driving factor, but yeah, it was it was a thing. Mm. <clears throat> I mean, it's it's a real thing. You can't uh, like teaching under critical race theory is just going to demolish that um, consumer buyer, you know, uh, indoctrination that school kind of does and uses and it's to the point where like i don't feel comfortable selling my art to anybody that doesn't understand critical race theory because if, to not understand critical race theory is to like literally be willfully ignorant to the social inequities that exist in the world that you live in Give it, give, give them, uh, type out, type or print out the, print out critical race theory as its whole, how many ever pages it is, and hand it out every time you sell it to someone. Like it just comes with the piece. I got to make sure they read it, so that would be a test. Like I would give them that you have to take a test, and then you could buy my art. I mean, take a while to get to something to read, though. I, do you know how to read? You know what I'm saying. People get contracts every day. Contract B. Speaking of contracts. Yeah, what about them? Are you up are you up on the on the happenings with the Joe Budden podcast? I'm not. I mean I know about uh Rory and Matt Mal, I think his name is Maul. Maul getting dismissed by Joe Budden and saying this and that and um I believe that is Joe Budden's stance that he doesn't need to show his books to his counterparts because he's the one that's bringing in the advertisement and all the other stuff. And Rory and Maul had a disagreement about that. Um, so has there been any like update? Are they friends now? Are they back on the podcast? No, uh, it's just, um, There's a bigger conversation to have about the industry of podcasting as a whole and how revenue is made 
informed in the kind of plethora of different ways that artists aren't mm -hmm. properly compensated mm -hmm. or and or have that and, and or yeah have the capabilities of, of not properly being compensated by um and then for joe to be obviously uh on camera with them i mean it, it that's a, i guess you your premise was incorrect in the sense in the fact of like the narrative been put out that joe fired them but they were partners in the like they had a percentage in the, of the partnership so they they walked away from their contracts they, right which is which is not on the doing of like they it's like it's like joe it's like it's not me it's you and it's like no it's you mm -hmm. you know what i mean so that's why that that's a little common misconception about what's going on right now but uh yeah i just thought that was it was, it was interesting because it, it it uh uh, I mean, the reason I left, maybe I'm crazy. Is like I would have. Uh, Carter was being born. I thought I needed more money. Uh, I had been talking to Willie. Uh, Barstool had flown me out to get interviewed uh, two different times, and it, it looked like it was going to be something real. Um, I tried to get. I, I tried. I tried to stay. I tried to stay at Fox for just a little bit more money. Um, they were like that barstool deal is better than what we can offer or or even match and i was like okay gotta go but i i i would have stayed i would want to stay but like it like i was i was a salary employee at fox sports who's a second producer whose main project was a podcast as a co-host and uh, running the social media and all the, the digital entity of it like their thing for joe button was joe wanted to get maul and rory to be salary employees at a specific cost so that no matter how big the podcast grew there was no more money that rory and maul could make while joe still still st stood to make uh, more money on and they refused to be salary employees and that was one of the big hang-ups uh that that got that made them avoid that those that, those contracts and uh but and yeah so it, but obviously i was i wasn't in a position to get any money about how popular or not maybe i'm crazy was because i was a salary employee and we were a fox sports entity um but but for them, that's just the interesting thing. Is there? Do you have? Do you have anything about all that? The you know jargon I spewed about this industry that uh, I don't know that I, I've I've kind of been in at at this point. No, but I just saw a commercial for a Facebook group um, for deaf deaf basketball players. So they were like signing, and then they were like about to hoop. And all I can think about is like, how do they call out screens? Yeah, that's what's heavy hard because you're like trying to communicate. Maybe there's no travels. What? How you can like not... pick the ball up and sign and then keep moving. No, the way they was making it look, these motherfuckers could be in the NFL if not for their hearing loss. 
I mean, that's, I mean, that's interesting. I know. Uh... No, and I'm sorry to like distract uh, the, the podcast thing. I have my like opinions about your job. And as you were talking, I kept finding myself wanting to like cuss people out and like, you know, go hard on like, well, if only Fox had paid they, the money, they they don't know who you are. They don't know who the fuck <laughs> they just let go. You know, what I, mean? I so, did. I did learn though while during this whole thing for Joe, and that's why I think I was being cryptic slightly in the explanation. Is if there, if if me being someone who signed a contract, not with Fox because I was an employee, but with Barstool, if I talk about specifics in my contract out loud to someone, then I am liable to be sued if that information gets back to the, those those people. So I was I like, so you. I was like, oh, that's good to know. Like Joe Button talked about that and why he wouldn't explain some logistics about Rory and Maul's contract and how they were incorrect about how things were going. Uh, so I was like, oh, okay, I'm gonna try not to not to uh, slip any figures out when I'm talking about uh, different things. Uh, that's happened in my past because I've been uh, guilty of oversharing. Something I'm trying to change as I am an older person, uh, but I guess that's the podcast, so yeah, oversharing is kind of our thing. I know my voice sounds grasping right now. No. Thirsty. peace to everyone who is listening wherever you are whenever you're listening uh, i like to think about the archive of this because lance does as well um Yeah. Uh, bye bye.